Hi there, welcome to the More Civil Podcast. This is a podcast for Blacks, Asians, and those who love them. I am Mo, and I am your host, ready to spark your curiosity as I take you on this adventurous ride of exploring cultures through the stories of my guests from all over the world. On this show, we get really personal, discussing salient issues that are relevant to our contemporary age and also building community around them. As our guests exercise courage and vulnerability in sharing their life's experiences, we hope that in turn you are inspired by them and that you get the courage in it to set your own stories free. Enjoy the ride and thank you so much for listening. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. And for those joining us for the first time, my name is Mo. Thank you for tuning in today. And today's topic is one that is very personal to me. You'll come to find out. And it's been one I've been wanting to talk about for the past year. And when when it happened to me, you know, which I'll talk a little bit more about later on, I had, you know, spoken to this person about it. And we both decided that, oh, we should talk about this on your show. But so you can imagine that the story has been sipping for so long, which means it's going to be good. The only thing I have for this episode is that we might not have time to like go through all of the things I want to talk about. But in to kind of make up for that, I'm going to link up a lot of show notes and articles and news clippings. So go read up and go watch, you know, all of the YouTube episodes and whatnot that I'm going to be linking up. So um, today with me in the studio is a very good friend of mine and a mentor. I call him mentor, even though he doesn't like that designation. But he's um, a true mentor in every sense of that word. We go way back to college, and I used to remember a lot of the talks we used to have and discussions, which is still carrying on. It's still being carried on to today. And he's a friend that feeds my intellectual curiosity about the world. He's super bright and super um, brilliant and intelligent, and also a fellow nerd. And I mean, he's amazing, in, you know, in every sense of that word. So today with me on the show is Dr. Ayomide Adebayo. Some people call him Doc Ayamide, but I'll call him Ayamide for, you know, to kind of help him out because he said to call him that. So it's going to be Ayamide. So um, he is um, a psychiatrist currently practicing in the UK. And yeah, so thank you so much, Ayamide, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Talani. Always good to talk to you. Same here, same here. Yes, on, 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 on camera and off. On camera, yes, yes, yes. Oh my gosh. I, uh, I was trying to search like a conversation to kind of bring out notes from you know this topic about korean cults and i typed in cults <laughs> of course we talk so much about culture so a lot of stuff came out on culture oh, right. because he's yes. the wrongest person to have you know talked about this with but also the best person to talk about it so anyways um so guys this i know right because we talk about culture a lot uh the topic today is korean cults and, and i don't like to like make korea seem like an exception to the rule of cult all over the world, but there's a uniqueness to it, which we're going to tease out. And I mean, they actually helped me, me you know, really do that research on why does it seem like Korea, you know, has a lot of what you call friend churches. So as a little bit of an introduction, when um, there was, well, for a little bit of history, actually, this Japan was, Japan occupied Korea for the longest time. And the Japanese rule actually, it took a toll on Koreans and in search of hope, they turned to religion. And, Catholicism has a very deep-rooted, I guess, grasp in the country, but that has devolved over the years 
into like Presbyterian um, churches. Now we have Protestants, we have Pentecostals, and you also have what we call fringe churches. Fringe churches by textbook definitions are churches that are like Christian churches, but they are not. They come under, uh, you know, mysticism and they have, you know, Christ-like tendencies, but by the time you delve deep, deep into their philosophy, you would understand why, you know, we wouldn't call them Christians. And I mean, and I will go through just the similarities between Christianity and what you call cultism. So over the years, since the 50s, there are several organizations that have, you know, um, been founded in Korea and proclaiming the Christian faith in a manner that, that does not confirm the Bible. They tend to brainwash and indoctrinate their members. And some of their members actually go back home to live, you know, normal lives. It's not like they stay in this, you know, commune. They go to work, some of them that are able to work, although you have some that will have to quit their jobs or quit their academic you know, pursuits just to be dedicated to the cult. Now, um, this cult usually teaches them to ignore worldly things such as education and their career. And there's also a leader, a person, a figurehead that seems to be a representation of God in a mosaic way that has such a, a powerful influence over his followers. And there's also some secretive nature of these cults where they also have some weird practices, which we're going to talk about. And so um, I think the first question I am will be this. Why do cults exist and what are the benefits, if any, do these cults have for both the leaders and the followers? Oh, that's, 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 <laughs> that's, that's a big question. Um, a big sort of double-barreled question. Um, why? I think, so I think, I think, so first of all, obviously, I'm not, I'm not like a an expert on cults, <laughs> right? Um, I have not done like a dissertation or anything. Like just just put it out there. Um, I have personally been interested in cults, um, mainly because of you know the fact that I practice Christianity and I understand, you know, I know a lot of people see just like all of re- all religions as sort of cultish anyway, and I get that. We'll talk a bit more about that, I guess. Um, but I'm also interested in how they shape people because I'm also interested in how people behave and things that influence that. So, um, so most of what I know about cults is sort of from that sort of personal research, right? And also because I've known people who've been involved in cults um, professionally as well as personally, like friends of mine. Um, but also I've had patients who've been in, in, in cults. So that's sort of where I'm speaking to this from, just... You know, to make that clear. So where, so where, where do cults come from? Um, I think it's sort of just rooted in the normal human, in the human sort of need for belonging, right? Like and on, Mas- and on Maslow hierarchy, that's one of the basic, um, basic needs. Um, it's the, like once you've dealt with survival needs, right? It's shelter and all of that. The next need is actually belonging, right? And, and that just gives you a sense for how important it is. The fact that, you know, once you're able to survive, the next thing you need is, is to be part of, you know, it's part of some kind of community. Um, and, and, and I think that's what, you know, cults thrive on. That's what they sort of, um, and we'll talk a bit more about this when we get into what, you know, draws people to cults. But I think it's, it's really one of the things that they look for is people who are isolated, right? And, and, and offer them a, 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 a resolution to that key need that's not being met in their lives. Um, but why do cults themselves arise? 
is a very is a is a more complicated question. I think. Um, I think there's two sides to look at it. I think there's one. I think for one thing is a lot of cult leaders turn out to be very sort of very unusual people in some ways. They tend, they, so many of them tend to be very charismatic. They tend to have a lot of personal charm and stuff like that. Um, they tend to be narcissistic, right? Um, and they tend to... There's, one thing they tend to be associated with cults in general and the leaders in particular is criminal behavior, right? Um, and so I feel like it... But I don't think people start cults just like, oh, I want to commit crimes, so I'm going to start this cult. I think there's that. But I think there's also a genuine aspect to which, um, you know, I, I think one of the core questions is, do the leaders believe what they sell? And from what I've seen, in many cases, they don't seem to, but it also looks like they do on some level enough to be able to sell it, right? Um, which would fit with a lot of what you see in people with social personality disorder, right? Just the ability to con people. Because in a sense, there's a lot of con aspects to what's going on. Um, and I sometimes wonder if maybe they believe it on some level, like if they've bought their own propaganda. Um, but I think, I think there's also been a lot of cases where it's pretty clear that they don't necessarily believe it, especially because they are often doing things that go very much against what they're teaching, right? Uh, but then they also have ways of justifying that. Um, so for me, that's a question I don't necessarily even have an answer to because I've not personally met any of these leaders. Um, and yeah. And, 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 and getting to them is, is quite difficult. Like, you don't get to see a lot of stuff that's been done in terms of finding the leaders and getting them to be honest and, you know, sort of truthful. You know, many of them die, you know, the ones that have died doing it. The ones that are alive are still actively... Oh, mass suicide, yeah. But yeah. like, or they just die sort of naturally, but like, without ever being called to order in any real way. Um, and of course, there are many of that just at large, Right. Um, so it's, it's, it's tricky and I don't know. Um, and maybe if I, again, this is where me not having like deep <laughs> sort of, I've not done a PhD in this shows because if I had, I'll probably know the no, answer no. to that. Um, so yeah. I appreciate your response. I, I do. Yeah. I think it has a lot of, um, it has a lot of things that we can definitely relate with. Like when you talked about the Maslow hierarchy of needs, there's that sense of belonging at the very core of it. We all want to, feel like we belong somewhere we have you know we have communities popping up every now and then and cults at the very crude nature of it is a community you know they have shared beliefs they have you know things that they do together and the, that important fact about how we don't really tend to have a sit down with a cult leader we usually have you know followers followers who you know who've either escaped or have been you know kidnapped out of cults we talk to them we all see the same patterns over and over again but I'd like to see that sample side replicated in the leaders as well to kind of get a lot of um, rich words. Now, there was an article you shared with me that you had written when um, Spider-Verse came out. And I think it's something we should mention here about how people are, you know, they tend to be praised to, well, I think it was Spider-Man, Flash, yeah, it was, and... it was actually Spider-Man um, Homecoming, the original one. Oh, yes, yes, the original one. And there was something you said that, like, if you know any outcasts, don't leave them there, go, go to get to them first. Which I think really, really matters. Like, um, and why, why I think is something we should mention is so let's just say that we're not picking out on Korea because, you know, I love Korean thing. I'm trying to like, but like play devil's advocate. There's really something unique about Korea when it comes to cults in that these French churches, they are a dime a dozen in Korea. They, for a very small nation, they have a lot of cults and the ones that are there, they're quite pervasive. 
and they have a stronghold in so many i don't i, I think there's even like a political um attachment to it where they wield so many powers so why does it seem that korea you know seems to have a lot of cults now um it's not i'm not gonna put um dr irene on the on the um chopping block to answer that so in doing my research there are three things that came up one was definitely the japanese occupation which you know um costs a lot of i think people just wanting to feel like they there was a lot hope was lost in, in korea as of that time so japanese occupation caused that another factor will also be korea as a whole is very communistic right there's that Confucian principle where you're only as strong as your weakest link. So everybody is easy, is easier to confirm to whatever the societal standards are. And so these court leaders, the ones you find in Korea, they tend to have that, you know, pull and uh, push people towards them, pull people towards them because they do know how to, the languages they can use to attract people. And, and as a whole, Korea is also a place because I spoke to my friend Korean, my my Korean friend Sylvia. Thanks so much for providing these inputs. In that, when if something happens to you, say you you don't you don't know who your bed parents are, or your mother was a single mom, you're already an outcast in society. And and so the prop the problem we're seeing, the cult problems we we have in Korea to me is a reflection of the environment itself, where people are so quick to punish others or outcast them for not conforming to the rules so this cult come in as scavenger you know group to like mop up all those free radicals and then they so there's almost like a push and pull factor which i think if if the family unit breaks out for example if a child of divorce you're already seen as tainted and who do you turn to there's suddenly there's a church you know telling you you know they love you they're your families they just come as you are. I mean, it's so easy. So a lot of the issues we see are really, you know, a reflection of society. But I think before I even go deeply into into Korea, one question I'd like to ask you is this. I mean, if you look at historical Christianity in a way, the apostles who followed Jesus, many of them will have described them, maybe not in the exact exact words as cults, but they did have like those cult-like tendencies where even I think there was a time that um, when Jesus had died and Gamaliel had spoken up for the disciples, like, just let them be, you know. This other Barabbas came and said he was Jesus. After he died, his people, like, dispersed. If they were really sent from God, you know, they would still be here. So you could really see that there were so many figures that came, even during Jesus' time, proclaimed themselves to be God. But, of course, we don't really hear so much about them anymore. But Christianity is one religion, and I, I, I do say so myself, that has, you know, stood the test of time what would you say are some differences between you know um what's the difference between you know christianity and cult because people might say oh well christians are just you know cult they follow the same leader so why should we you know make them separate i still think of christian christianity as a cult ish and i say that in a very toned down way because there's some similarities but of course there's some deviation so for me when i think of cult i think number one three things they have to conform to these three criteria. Number one, the freedom for you to leave and, 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 and join. You know, there's also a transparency in the hierarchy of the church. And of course, your attitude towards the larger society. Um, a cult tends to have this more exclusivist and condemnatory um, attitude towards society. 
but I'm just curious to know from your experience and also from being a, a nerd like you, what what would you say makes Christianity stand out from all the other cults out there? And I don't think Christianity is a cult, but I just say cultish. And so, but anyways. Okay, so I think I'll say I'll talk about that from like the angle of religion in general, um, and then Christianity in particular because that's religion I know the most, the one I practice, right? Um, I think that. I think that, um, you know, so you talked about a few things that, that dif- distinguish cults. And I think it's worth, because, and I get that, like I said earlier, that I get why some people think of religions in general as being like, like, oh, they're all cults, you know, like whatever. And I can, I see how it looks like that from the outside. Um, I think when you engage people in who are practicing religious, you know, faith of whatever kind, it's very different, right? And there's a lot more thoughtfulness and, and even wrestling that goes on. And I'll come back to that point about wrestling, right? When you engage with, you know, people of all kinds of faith, right? I, I have, you know, friends of, of various faiths who will talk about, you know, I mean, just recently I was talking with a friend from a different faith who was talking about the fact that she admires her parents' faith. Um, and it was interesting because, you know, when I was like, well, I found that interesting that you say you admire your parents' faith. How does that, what about yours? And you know, she was like, yeah, she feels a bit disillusioned, right? Personally. And she doesn't feel that, she doesn't feel able to have that faith. But she's someone that to all intents and purposes is practicing, right? Um, and so there's, there's a, sort of that wide variation. You will, you will not likely see that in a cult, <laughs> right? Um, for a bunch of reasons, um, you know, including the, 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 the fact of there's a sort of level of total commitment, um, a, a totally, there's a totalitarian, sort of aspect to cults. Um, and I think that's one of the values of differentiating the two because, so something I generally believe is that if there's, if two things, the reason why we distinguish things is to be able to understand them, you know, properly. And it's not very useful to go around lumping things together, right? Even if they're things we don't like, because when you do, you lose the ability to talk about them meaningfully, right? And, and so if we say all religions are cults, then two things are going to happen. One, if that's not true, you know, and like I always say to anyone that says that, like, I don't think you've probably <laughs> met a real cult or you would very not likely say that, right? And, and that's the problem because if you do, it's, it, it means that you're, it's easier to dismiss actual cults, right? While you're focusing on what you think cults are. And then there are people in actual danger. And it also means that you're also less likely to actually recognize the people who are more prone or vulnerable to be caught up in those you know, it's, it's, the risks are not worth it. Like, honestly, they're not worth it. So that's on one level. So how are they different? For me, it's a lot of you, what you said. The, one of the key things for me is exclusivity and it's two levels, right? Um, and I've seen this a lot in Christian denominations. So there's one level of exclusivity from the community, right? Um, from the larger sort of, the larger community. Yes. Whether that is, Society, you know, yeah. the, the government or, or the, just the, you know, wherever the, the that, group happens to be when there's a certain level of exclusivity then that's beginning to be called like um and then for me more worrying is when especially for like christian cults is when they're exclusive from other christian groups right because now and there's a level to which a lot of christian groups you know believe that they get some things right that others don't that's sort of defining <laughs> like it's almost part of the definition of being a christian group that you disagree with other people the disagreements and not the point. And it's important to understand this. That's not the distinction is not the fact that there's a disagreement, it's how you what that disagreement means for how you interact is where the 
the rub is, right? And if disagreement means we can't even engage with anybody that claims to be Christian or Muslim or whatever religion is, if they are not this particular strand of the faith, there's a problem. There's 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 something there that that you know you disagree again. Like it's 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 like it's like it's like literally like if someone said, "Oh, I'm Democrat," and that means I cannot talk to a Republican. That that be worrying. <laughs> Do you get what I mean? Like, and and, and so like, let's even take it beyond cults. It's just like if whatever group you are part of, that means that you cannot interact with people outside that group. It's a bit worrying. Some, there's something there that's a bit worrying because and and here is why, because it gets down to actually mean you're actually dehumanizing the other group in a, to a level, even if you are not aware of it. You're literally saying that I cannot. Re- your humanity is not enough reason for me to relate with you, right? You have to believe this singular thing in this singular way, you know. There, there's something worrying there. <laughs> you know, for me that that just is all sort of all sorts of red flags. Um, and for me, that also goes back to the other thing about cult, which is the control. There's a level of control that cult tend to have. And for me, this is where the real harm is. And that exclusivity is actually part of that control. And if you see this in any abusive relationship, because if you think about it, cults, in a sense, are just group abuse, right? It's like, it's like imagine somebody abusing like a domestic partner, for instance, or a child or whatever. A cult is that, but like on a community level. In a sense, that's what it is. And one of the key things that abusers do Anyone who has known anything about abuse knows this. It's exclusion. <laughs> the abuser excludes the abuse. It's it's like if there was a book that abusers used to sort of like manual, like they used to sort of learn how to do things, that would be rule number one. Is make sure that they are not in contact with anybody else, right? That's what you know, partners who are abusing their partners do. That's what parents who are abusing their kids do. That's what anybody who is abusing anybody, and that's what calls too, right? So Again, it's so it's 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 the control. It's that so the exclusion in a sense is still part of that, but it's that sort of control. And then for cults, it gets to a totalitarian level where the cult is controlling every aspect of the person's life beyond whatever, even like it's not just about the religion, right? And the truth is, yes, if you look into Christianity, depending on the Christian group you are looking at, you will see this to varying degrees. I won't mention names because (laughs) (laughs) well. I won't mention it, but I think if you want to start to think about it, because and again, because well, the other problem with names is that it depends on where you are. So, for instance, there are groups in Nigeria that fit this, but if you're not Nigerian, that might not apply to you. But wherever you are from, right? Wherever you are from in anywhere in the world, you, you know, and not just in Christianity, you will see this in whatever religious community you you know you 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 are, you are a part of. You will see this. You will see. You will, you will be aware that there are some groups that exert a certain level of control and demand a certain level of exclusivity right and i don't just mean exclusivity in like oh if you don't believe like we think we're right so that's one kind of exclusivity like the exclusivity of belief which is our group is right about the meaning of life and we think others are wrong that's a level of exclusivity that i know even christianity has that's not what i'm talking about right i'm talking about exclusivity of socialization has yeah Right, yeah. a city of socialization is where the issue is. It's it's that we are not only a group, but we do not socialize with any other groups in any meaningful way. You cannot have wives or girlfriends or or boyfriends or husbands or partner in any serious way, or even have or even have friendships. Yeah, right with people outside of us of our group. I was going to say our small group, but some of them are not small. 
right? For me, that's 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 where she start like your your bills should start. No, they get they have yeah. start going off, um, and then it's like setting control, right? And of oh, course, yeah. in addition to that thing you said, I love what you said about like transparency of leadership structure. That's a key one because a lot of them are. But I think that one is not very obvious to an outsider. So I think security and control are a lot more obvious. The other thing I found really interesting was that last day about attitude of larger society. Not just the exclusivist bits, but, and I don't know if the person mentioned this, but like, they tend to break laws a lot, <laughs> right? So there tends to be dismissal of like civic sort of norms within this group, which they always justify, right? So, you know, the level to which they take the laws and the government seriously for me is also a very key thing to look at, right? And whether they, you know, justify things like from as basic as lying. I'm saying basic because lying technically is not like a, it's not a felon. Like, except you're lying like in a formal setting, you know, nobody's going to take you to, to jail for lying. But like, they actually do like yeah. even bigger and more serious issues, right? Like from funds, you know, to laundering to actually abusing people, right? In all sorts of ways and all these kinds of things. So there's, there's a, there's a, there's a real dismissal of governments and things that happens in many of them, but it's not always obvious. Well, now taking it back to the Korean aspect of it, a lot of these cults they have so many deep ties, yes. deep ties to the government. Yeah, I saw that bit. So yeah. historically, the Protestants and yeah, Catholics they were anti-government-ish. They actually protected a lot of um, demonstrators way back when there used to be a lot of demonstrations in Korea about you know um, government and all that. But you had a lot of these cult leaders siding with the government. You know, so there's also that. I think that also gives them that you know impunity in a way to like Just, do whatever they this want. This is a different do. topic entirely, but I feel like one of the things Presenti has done at its best, which is not always the case, is always side with people against authorities when the authorities are being oppressive. Unfortunately, Christianity has not always done that that's because it, sometimes that's the, the church one. is in bed with the state, which is why that's so true. Which is why the whole point of and a lot of people don't know that Christians were actually behind like the original idea of like separating church from states like like people think it was forced on from state, people think yeah. it was forced on the church but actually the church that was like no please exactly. let's all be separate and it was partly a reaction to the fact that they had seen what had happened <laughs> when the church gets into bed with the states right is that the church gets abused yeah. um, in, you know in, in, in very real ways and then becomes yeah. an agent yeah. of the state always happens but then I also think that a lot of these cults while they you. might be with the government that actually allows them to break laws even more I was, I was going to bring up, bring up that point. And you might not even really see them. You know, sometimes they work behind the scenes. Because take, for example, um, Shin Chun-jin has been linked to so many, many um, rapes, extortions, bribery, um, threats. I mean, he's currently in prison right now because of COVID, which, you know, I might talk about mm. a little bit. Uh, well, I can even say it just now. So um, his sects were responsible for yeah, more than 30% of that. the breakout in Korea. Because somebody had gone for a funeral, funeral like home five thousand, almost five thousand people, more than four thousand like, people, stayed together. It was, it was wild, it and was they were wild. like super spreaders because they don't live in communes. They go back home, yeah, yeah. So he's he's in prison right now, and his um followers are trying to get him out. Now let's talk a little bit more about Korea. Um, as you guys know, I love Korean history. Well, most of it, some of them, you know, keep me up at night. Uh, but you know, one thing I really, I really um appreciate about, I guess. Korea is also one of the reasons why I think, you know, they tend to have such a very strong um, representation of cult, despite it being such a small nation. Across Asia, you know, even Japan, for example, you do have cults, you know, 
doing stuff and all that. I've already established that fact that cults are all over the world. But what makes Korea a little bit, you know, um, I guess spicier will be so many reasons. Now, one will be, we talked about the Japanese occupation and which kind of left people to be, you know, um, devoid of hope. But another thing is Korea is strongly nationalistic, like strongly, strongly nationalistic, which is really, you know, um, established. And what does that mean? Is that, you know, people just tend to, they tend to like, um, I guess, follow the rules and you don't, you don't break character. You just, you know, keep on going. And the Korean War, the Korean War, you know, really had a huge, uh, left a huge vacuum of hope in the country. And they also had periods of military dictatorship that reached its peak, the peak of authoritarianism in the 1970s and 80s. Now, because of this instability, it also helped to popularize religious organizations, which kind of offered a lot of solace and um, and also um, popularized suffering. Another thing would be Christianity was also seen as a way to kind of help them relate to it. Now, now in Korea, there's a concept of Han. Han, I don't have the English I was going to ask you what it meant. But is that... Like, people call unpack it, it, unpack it, unpack it, unpack it. Just take your time. I don't... I even... <laughs> oh, my gosh. I feel like I'm being put on... Even my Korean friends, and I'm, I'm not even... They can't even explain to me, even though... Yeah, so... Han, so try people to... have an understanding of it. They more so more than me. But Han is... So when you suffer... The sufferings of your, it's, it's almost like an internalized feeling of deep sorrow, of grief, of regret and anger. It's so much so that it's even oh. in the DSM. It's acknowledged as. I know. Now like, why um, you say that now? Is it leaked? Yes, yes. Yeah. You probably have. Right. Um, there you go. Talking to a psychiatrist right she here. Have led with that. So Koreans have that. <laughs> you know, they've they've gone through a lot. I'm sorry. I forgot. Who, I forgot who my audience was right now. Um, they have that internalized feeling of just. Mm. A right that needs to a wrong that needs to be right, right? And so when the story of Jesus when Christianity came to Korea, I mean, if you look at you know way back in time when the first missionaries went to Korea, they were killed. News flash, you know. Koreans were very hostile to outsiders, but with time, you know, they started allowing people in and then yeah. um but you know, Shintoism, that's Japan, true Japan, but Buddhism, they were the you know the religion then and then Christianity came slowly through Catholicism and you know so the country is relatively um Christianity is just relatively new to the island compared to other parts of the world but that said Jesus being nailed on the cross spoke, must have spoken and so much suffering that. that you know Koreans then was almost like they could connect to that it spoke to them like this is somebody that, that had no you know and hand is something that can also be transmitted from one generation to the, another generation so your great grandfather's hand so in a sense hand is also like connected trauma as now, well I have some Korean it? friends it's not exactly trauma it's not it's, it's not exactly trauma but it it's includes trauma, but it's, it seems exactly, to include the idea it's not it's not exactly trauma right. it includes trauma and it's not always negative and it's not always negative even though I'm using it you know right it's not always negative so anyways um so that said they focused on jesus christ who suffered on the cross so that was kind of like a mysticism for you know a lot of koreans and i think with with there's so much mm. emphasis on just being a real follower and you know not going a little bit above the norm just you know going there so when people fall out of you know when you, what i call outcasts and i gave examples of you know if your parents divorced or if your mom was a single mom or you're not doing very well, or you have, you know, some issues, you're maybe about to go bankrupt, this cult fill that vacuum for you to, like, mop you up. And so, 
because talking to my Korean friend and she also acknowledged the fact that yes they can be quite harsh in the sense they just cut you off people can cut your families can cut you off for not you know being a rule follower whatever that role might be so cults are just a way to just accept and I think that's what makes Korea really different in in most of other Asian countries it's just that you know that aspect of it being strongly nationalistic which brings me back to this um, next question for you will be this I know when you wrote your article about, um, which I'm going to link in, in the show notes, we tend to believe that it takes a certain kind of people to be, you know, drafted into a cult. How your patient was, who just got out of a cult, his family were wondering, how did you even get into a cult? Like, people just tend, when we see people that have come, how did they get in in the first place? We tend to like look down on them like, oh, this person was stupid. Because she was like the strong one. <laughs> exactly. I mean, look at me. Who would have thought? And I'll explain why, you know. I even got approached in the first place and how I let that conversation go on until I realized that, okay, hold on, this, hold on, this is what's going on here. But let's just talk a little bit about that article you had shared on Medium about how, I think there was something you said that our behavior is more dependent on our environment than we like to think, you know. And then you gave that example of people can be nice and all that, but when you're driving in Lagos traffic, for example, you might just be prone to question even though you're a nice person. So let's talk a little bit about the situation that we tend to undermine and say, oh, I can never be part of a cult. Chances are you might probably be in one right now. So let's hear from, you know, Dr. Ewende about how, you know, to the situation well, I mean, that might so, want to be vulnerable to be part of a cult. I, just to clarify, I do think that there are some people who might be more prone, right? Like, that's not denying that. Like, some people are probably more prone. Um, people who are more naturally um, trusting, for instance, that sort of thing. But the point is, it's not just them. Right, they might be more prone, but if they have enough support and stuff around them, they might they might be less prone because they already have like community and you know they belong somewhere. They're not they're not hungry for connection. Do you get what I mean? So the point I'm trying to make is that the circumstances the person is in might be actually a lot more you know important than just the personality that they've got. Um, even though yes, perhaps some personalities are a bit more prone. Um, but, but I mean, clearly, like, you, you'll be shocked at the, all the different varieties of people who get caught up in this stuff. Um, and yeah, it, it, a big part. So obviously, if we say that, you know, one of the things that, that cults prey on is, is, um, is, oh, sorry, that one of the things that cults offer is belonging. Then it's easy to see that one of the things that they will prey on is isolation, right? People are isolated socially. Um, and isolation is just, such a huge risk factor for so many things. It's also, and I, you know, I don't know if everybody knows this, but I hope more and more people are becoming aware. It's also a very big risk factor for suicide, right? Is isolation, social isolation. It's a much more huge factor than people realize. Um, and in the same way too, for for cults, and in generally just for abuse in general, right? Because I, I think it's important, I think it's helpful to think of cults as a sort of social abuse or community, like sort of larger scale abuse of, of human beings, you know, and which it means that there's a sense in which it is actually a dehumanizing process. Um, is that they, they, and this may not be something deliberate, but I think over time people tend to become more aware of this, is that they are very good at looking for vulnerable people, right? So for instance, when they operate in schools, guess who they're going to go for first? The, the newcomers, the, the freshers, right? And stuff like that, you know. And then among the freshers, they will always, some of them will just try everybody. But the people who are most at risk are the ones who don't belong anywhere, right? Or who belong somewhere but don't fit in just enough. Who are struggling to find 
some kind of community and one of the things that can lead anybody to that because there are people who have great community but one thing that isolates every human being because that is the nature of that thing is pain and trauma right and that includes everything from grief to to loss to like whatever like whatever leads someone into like deep pain because pain at its heart is something that you have alone like even if people love you and people around you and everything there's only so much that you can there's a there's a good bit of it that you can you will bear on your own because because that's just how it is right like nobody can get into your heart and like take it no matter how much they care even if they are there and there's a level to which these guys are able to speak to those things and because they tend to come with a lot of certainty right so there's not a lot of ambiguity with, with cults. There's ambiguity about important issues. <laughs> like, like when you start asking serious questions, you know, it becomes all very vague and stuff. But like in terms of the kind of things people are looking for in those moments, they will offer some high level certainty, the kind of certainty that people who are being honest will not be able to give, right? They will, they're often very good at offering those kinds of things. And the truth is, at those moments, we're all vulnerable. We're all more likely to be looking for answers that something to just hold on to in the middle of sort of like the, the darkness as it were um and so when i say isolation i want i want because i think it's easy to think oh i'm not isolated or or, or nobody i know is isolated it's like well are they aren't they though right maybe they're not normally but has anybody around you gone through something that's seriously traumatizing and painful that maybe right now is struggling right then you want to think about are they do they have support right and and those are the kind of things you want to think about because even for many people many people who've never been in the cult if you think about it there's probably been periods in your life when maybe you almost ended up with some weird group and it may not even have been a cult it might just have been like some some friends that looking back you realize man those have been very unhealthy for me or maybe you did end up with those people but then luckily maybe you're able to like sort of wake up and sort of realize what you were doing or something woke you up like do you get what i mean like take cults apart like just think about the kind of relationship we all end up in the worst relationships we end up in are the ones that come in our pain right no well, no that doesn't sound right like not those that come in our pain because good people come in our pain but i'm saying we're most likely to end up in some really really messed up relationships when we're in pain and we end up with just the wrong people you know so isolation and connection are just they're just massive they just they're so huge right they're so so huge um you know and your story i know you mentioned that you've been through something in the story of the patient that i shared and pretty much everyone i know who's ended up in this stuff did so because a lot of people i know are really really connected and belonging there's lots of people who aren't but many of my friends are the ones that ended up in these situations had gone through a time when they were on their own or when they felt like they were on their own and that's when they ended up being vulnerable and i didn't know until it was late and i'll share my story in a bit but a, a lot of what you said is applicable to me. Oh man! But if we're going through trauma, definitely 2020 was COVID year, so everybody should. Yeah. We should all take trauma. Yes. Have you been through trauma? Yes. 2020, COVID being 2020. But I'll talk a little bit about that. But when you were talking about, you know, just they tend to like give this high degree of um, like accuracy to things that people are asking questions about. That's so so true. Because in Korea, where you know a lot of Christian churches, like the let's call them the real churches they just talk about jesus and all that but they tell you you don't have to do x y and z as far as number of works to do to get to heaven you know which you know take for example with shintoism which was you know the the religion and buddhism they have like different rites you have to do how many giving to the poor like they were were very you know um prescriptive things you could do 
But here comes Christianity where, you know, just believe in God, confess your sin, and then you get to heaven. And a cult comes, you know, like, no, just follow this person, do this amount of work, follow him, and you're good. Shin Chanjin, for example, he says, you know, for you to get to heaven, they have like 144,000 people. You know, the other days, um, LDS church here, they have that same belief. And I think Jehovah's Witness also have that belief. But currently, his church has like over 200,000 people. So newsflash, 60,000 people of them are not going to be getting to heaven anytime soon. But yes, you know, that, that whole um, feeling of, you know, they're very straightforward, yes or no, and they're very exact about things. That's, you know, usually a problem. Now, um, let's talk a little bit about my story. And before I share, and I, and I think two things before we talk about my story will be this. Um, maybe we should go through the big five personality traits, like ocean, like, you know, openness to experiences, I always don't know how to say that word. Con what? Conscientiousness. Yeah, conscientiousness. <laughs> I never really get it right. Extraversion, um, agreeableness, and neuroticism. Now let's go through that. Now these are just gonna be blanket statements because no people might fall, you know, outside of you know each category. So let's work through that. Um, I mean, what do you think are some of the traits that you know, would you say people will be high on? Openness, for example, to be like your typical profile um, for a cult follower. I don't know. So one, I've, I've never read this up. Two, I don't know that there is because, like I said, at the end of the day, anybody could really end up there. Right? Would you say I think you have a little bit of openness for you to be? I I think. It depends, I think. I think I think people who are open to experience might be prone in some ways. But it's it's complicated because they might be open to experience, but they find cults too restrictive. That's true. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, so it's not yeah. it's not that straightforward. It's not that yeah. straightforward. Okay, for the um, sake of just checking a box, I'll just put like <laughs> maybe. How about the next one? The word I cannot even pronounce, the C one. Conscientiousness. Yes. Well, say? yeah, I can see how that I could see how that could make someone. So again, all of this is conjecture because not like I've, I've not read anything on this particular yeah. um, subject. But I can see how someone who is very rule based might find that sort of thing attractive, right? Where it's like, oh, okay, this is the these are the rules for life, you know, so to speak. So um, and if I do, in... <laughs> Sorry, I, I had to put that there. <laughs> Well, funny enough, he didn't write the book Rules for Life. That was somebody else. But, well, he did write the book oh, Rules for Life. Book, yeah, 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 that's what right, yeah, yeah. Well, no, that's I'm thinking of this other guy who wrote... There's this guy who wrote a series of books something Temple or something, or Templar. I don't know that one. That's older. That's much older. Okay. Like, like yeah, anyway, that's, that's years ago. Anyway, but yeah, you know, like, people like that sort of thing. Um, but again, that doesn't mean you end up in court. It just means you might end up reading Jordan Peterson book, right? <laughs> yeah. How about extroversion? I see. I think extroversion you might make you move faster into the like from the ladder up. But how about like how about like you know even being approached in the first place? Would you say that might play a role into it? it it's tricky because again, it works both ways. Because you might say an introvert is more likely to to be disconnected and, and to so feel more likely isolated. So yeah, in, in, the, yeah. in the end, you can see, like you know, barring actually getting some data on this, I can see how it can go both ways, depending exactly. on wherever somebody is. No matter but what your personality. you could be and not even go out in the first place to be con- to be approached by a. Do you know what person? I mean? So really, yeah, yeah. really, which is why I still think circumstances play such a massive role. It's like so. I'll, I'll think of this like like with them um, substance abuse, right? Like so, lots of people use substances. Lots of people use substances, and people who 
are in settings where people are using substances are also more likely to use substances. But do you know one of the biggest factors is for substance abuse problems? Depression? No. It's what? it's adverse social circumstances. Oh yeah. Like a break. Right. Something that yeah. Mm. Like, you know, being in deprived coming from deprived backgrounds or deprived That's environments. True. You yeah. know, um, having some really messed up stuff going on, going through abuse. Those are the kind of things that lead. so lots of people experiment, but the ones who end up becoming problem users tend to have Adverse. some other things going on. Adverse in the same way, lots of people are approached by these cults. The question is who ends up going in? That's it. I and then the question is not just not just who is it, but what's going on with that person. At that time, might actually be the bigger question that we're not thinking about. Because I think sometimes we it's so easy to focus on internal factors and to downplay. And I'm not saying internal factors don't play a role, but you see the other thing about so in medicine, like and you will know this, we talk about modifiable and non-modifiable factors. Why in the world will you be focusing on non-modifiable factors when there's so many modifiable well, factors? Factors that you can work right? on. And so like what's, so fine, let's say we can identify people who are the profile. Let's even say we can. What are you gonna do about it? <laughs> do you get yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, because you can even do for those people, about it even if, if you're able to, if you're able to tease what the modifiable and non-modifiable factors are. Now, even though we yes. can modify those factors, some of the other factors, and it's knowing, you know, and I know yeah. these things are not but my point is that at the end of the day, when there are modifiable factors that you can actually change that we're not doing anything about, why, it, why not this? Like again, I'm not saying it's not important. I'm just saying, shouldn't you start from the one you can do something about? Like if you're going to start somewhere, scientists would like to know. <laughs> we like to know either ways. <laughs> It's the well, knowledge because, that I'm... because I think some of it is also a bit of a an instinct and a, 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 a dangerous instinct sometimes within us to to be able to say to ourselves, oh well, that doesn't apply to me, right? To be able to exclude ourselves from the possibility and Again, it doesn't apply to anybody going on with me because if it's a, if it is circumstantial thing, circumstances can happen to anybody. <laughs> Yep, right. Yep, yeah. 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 And especially when it comes to like loss and pain, everybody's going to go through that in some way at some point. Eventually, yeah. You know, but so it's, it's, it's now, and I think safety net also matter. Like, you yeah, can, you're probably going to go through dumps. Well, do you have enough support to able to like metabolize those traumatic events? That's exactly. also a problem. So we're kind of all in this together. We're all a part of the problem and solution. Yep. Which is yeah, good news and bad news. But like, I know. <laughs> Just because, just because I'm a, I like closure, agreeableness, I would say you definitely need a, le- a level of that to at least be, you know, complicit in the cult. And then finally, well, yeah, I'll, well, I'll say, yeah, because if you're, if yeah, you're a rule breaker, yeah. but then again, again, <laughs> you I just, a rule breaker and be the leader. You have to be the leader. I know so many people who are rule breakers that end up in cults, so which is why, again, I keep saying, I don't know, I don't know, man. <laughs> how about how about the final one, neuroticism? <laughs> Would you say maybe a level of it? Definitely a high level of it to be a cult leader. <laughs> well, no, even though, so neuroticism, by the way, just to be clear, it's different from being neurotic in in the general sense of the word. It's I more about how you deal with it. Well, it's more, it's more about how you deal with stress. So, someone who is high in neuroticism is someone who stresses out a lot, which can actually make so you more. Sorry, more prone to be a follower. Well, maybe? maybe yeah, because someone who is less. But again, the other thing is someone who is less. In neurotic- who is lower in neuroticism means that they're more sort of laid back, more chilled, more sort of like, eh, you know, more likely to be like just go with the flow of things. <laughs> so <laughs> again, <laughs> I see. Exactly. I can see both yeah. ways. I can see both ways. Okay. Well, that's it. Let me just take a little bit about my story.
So this happened last year, 2020. I'm smack dab in the middle of the pandemic. Um, like with most people, your your external routines like traveling, going to places, you couldn't do that anymore. And I think like most people, I thought I was handling it well. So I used to teach and take classes in a Korean school before the pandemic, but when the pandemic happened, everything had to close down and I studied Korean every day. So I needed a place to kind of connect and my class, my school wasn't offering a virtual option option as at that time. And so I, you know how if you search stuff on Google, it pops up on your Facebook and Instagram because, you know, they're all the same agents working anyways. And I saw this ad for Korean class. It was $10 per month. Number one, too good to be true. That is super dirty cheap. But I thought, oh, maybe, you know, pandemic, they were trying to, like, offer relief. And everybody was um, doing that then, wasn't they? So, when they? So. Exactly, you know. There were so many, even um, journals were, like, you know, bring, uh, making everything Hard free. Cheap, so yeah. I was like, okay, exactly. You would have been so suspicious. Like, okay, yeah, you know, yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't. I, I clicked on the link. I checked them out. I was like, okay. And they had a very obscure name. I'm not going to mention their name, but if you want to know their name and you really, because if you're in that kind of group, if you email me or DM me, I'll let you know. I just don't want to have a copyright strike or anything like that, or to be sued and all that. So I joined the class, and they sent you know things to study on. I looked at the the textbooks, nothing, no red flags. It was just you know simple conversations in Korean. Everything was looking okay, and they, they seemed to be very organized, you know, for a cheap you know class. And for me, it was an opportunity to not only audit but also maybe to practice my first start conversation because the class was ended up being a mixture of you know, first timers almost all the time. And then people, I was almost always the most advanced person in the class, which I really didn't like because yeah. I ended up teaching anyways. And when I take classes like that, I tend to accept myself. So, you know, I'm, I'm known and people ask questions, which, you know, I like sometimes, but I think I, I felt so comfortable being in the class that, you know, every Saturday, if I, if I was running late, they would kind of say, Oh, we're going to start a little bit later just to accommodate me. So I started feeling like, oh, okay, you know, special status, teacher's pets. And I added the teacher on Kakao Talk. Kakao Talk is like the WhatsApp for Koreans in a way, or Asian people. Anyways, it's, it's a, it's a site where you can talk and chat with people. And then we would like, and we all had like a chat room on Kakao Talk anyways. And then smack dab in the middle of class. And we'd been taking this class for like three months thereabouts. There was a question that was asked about what do you do the first time you wake up in the morning? And, People were answering, and I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm usually not very comfortable talking about my faith in public settings, and I, that's a problem, I know sometimes. But I just thought, you know, what the heck, you know, I'm just going to say I pray, because that's really the first thing I do in the mornings. So I said, you know, Gido Hagoi Soya, like I pray in the morning. And then, oh, and then the lady, I think that was like uh, a buzzword that I had said. She's like, oh, you pray, are you a Christian? And before now, let me just say, they never said they were a Christian organization. They only branded themselves as a fellowship for young people, you know. And they're like, oh, I'm a Christian too. Um, do you mind staying after class? I would like to talk to you about stuff and all that. And meanwhile, we're at all, you know, the first day of class, we're, we're you know, all introduced ourselves, where we're from, where we're currently living. I didn't talk about my exact streets, but what state and, you know, city. And so after the class, she, she just had this genuine, like, if I thought she had interest in me before, it was now interest times two. And if you're a Korean learner, and which is something I'm trying to work on, when I'm around Koreans, there's a puppy-like, you know, <laughs> that I, you know, tendency that I tend to have because I, 
I want to learn a lot about the culture. And I found someone I can speak with freely. So I think my guards were already down when it came to that. Because if it was like an English speaker or Yoruba speaker, I probably wouldn't have even given her like, you know, the the time of the day and all that. So I started talking about how, oh, you know, they had like, um, that, that she's actually a Christian. It's actually a Christian organization that they had um, their, their leader who's also based in Korea, in Oklahoma where I stay and they would like to see me like you know coming up with me and I'm like okay wait this 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 kind of like you know What's up with all this kind of like went, went by so fast you know it was so fast so quick and three months into this class this was when they were start using restrictions you could travel but you had to like wear a mask and like you could like do like interstate travels yeah. and all that you could wear a mask and it was too fast, too quick. I mean, I volunteer with a lot of Korean students. I, you know, have Korean friends. And I would say this level of intensity was so, so high, even for someone as highly strong as I am. But anyways, I didn't think too much of it. I just thought, okay, you know, we've, we've been in class for this long. Perhaps they really just want to meet up with me and, you know, talk more about what they do. And I'm, I'm about, you know, helping you know, Korean students are when they come to the US and they also talked about, you know, they do volunteering with students. I was like, oh, okay, I do that as well. Long story short, we met up and if I thought, you know, I just, you know how, okay, let me just say this. They had too much attention for me as a black person. I'm going to just put that out there. Mm. Nobody should have had that much attention. And I should have just seen that as a red flag. But the pride in me and being, being that it was Korean that I was learning and I was so obsessed about, it just, it made me just forget everything that I would normally not even allow in the first place. And I started talking about a camp that I had somewhere in, you know, the Midwest where I could go camping, which I talked about, you know, I like camping. Um, you could go fishing. They had like deer. They had, they just made it out to be paradise. And I started thinking, I've been in this country for 10 years. I've done all of these things. These are things that don't really make me go like, wow, wow, wow. You know, I'm pretty much travel for, you know, from person of my age. And so this, this shouldn't even make me like go like, you know, drooling and all that. But I still kept listening anyways. And I just realized that, okay. And then they started telling me about other African countries they had been a part of, bringing out pictures, showing me their pastor and how he's, you know, rubbed um, hands with president of Uganda. Like, they started showing me pictures of African hearts they had gone to and things they had done in Africa. So the red flags just started popping up like a communist pride. And then what really broke the, whatever out for me was he started asking about my conversion story as a Christian. It was okay, it was a man and his wife, like they came together. And I started telling him about, you know, you know, my salvation and how before, you know, I would always come out to give my life to Christ. And then one day that was it. I decided I was gonna be a Christian. I was not, you know, giving I wasn't go, going to go out there, I'd go out in front of the church to do the whole, you know, give your life to Christ then. And the concept of sin and what my faith means to me. And then they now passed me there, then I went to the Bible. Showed me a part of the Bible, which I, for the life of me, I cannot remember, but about, you know, being cleansed of your sin. And he told me that I was still a sinner. I'm like, yeah, I know I'm still a sinner, you know, and by the grace of God, you know, I repent every day. And he goes, no, 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 that that's not how I'm supposed to repent. That that pastor will show me the way. And I'm like, okay, no, this is it. Like, let's just stop this conversation. And then stop the I, train. I, I made them, they just kept talking and on and on. This was when all the, my mother's, my mother's spirits, my, my grandmother who's praised a lot, every, every everything just came like, oh, this is a cult. And because they lied so much about who they were in the first place, because after I, I, after I found out the organization, which they weren't very open about, I started doing a lot of research. The front has so many things. They're almost like chameleons. They can be anything you want them to be. 
but they're part of this Guon Park, which is like salvation sect, which I'm just going to talk about a little bit. But he kept, she kept talking about her pastor and that the pastor, like, you know, 17, when at 17, oh. just appeared to him and gave him like the, the rules. And now, you know, his white, actually have his book, How I Became Free from Sin, something like that. How he became, you know, you know, white as snow and he's never seen since then. I'm like, whoa. And so that was it. I quickly texted my friend, my Korean friend, Sylvia, like, guess what? And she's like, <gasps> That's a call, didn't you know that? And I, I didn't even think of even asking that because at that time, before I met them, I didn't think it was a call. So I, I sat down thinking about what broke what broke down in me. I know there's the Hallyu wave, which is a Korean wave, has really hit in a lot of places. I just want to warn people, like, your interest in a particular culture can be used as a very weapon against you. And it happened to me. That was how they got to me. And you won't believe that I stopped communicating with them, but they bombarded my phone. They would call, they would text me. I had to finally block them. They found ways to keep, you know, you know, because they wanted me to come to their camp. And of course, if they, they're taking me there, I'll be like, because they found out what I did. They were like, oh, you're a professor. Oh, yeah. I'll have been like the poster child for, if they can get this big fish, never since of that word, you can get anybody. So I had to repent of that pride in me, of, you know, because it felt like I was being worshipped. I won't lie to you. It felt really good. And nobody should really have that much attention in, in you that they had in me. But, you know, we're, we've been home for how many months from, you know, isolation and COVID and whatnot. So it felt like really, really like, is this a new world that's opening up? And I've heard of stories of people being approached in Korea and being asked, you know, hey, do you, you want to make new friends? So they can come at you in different ways. Now I see their ads. They use BTS, which is like the fam- famous Korean boy band, as a way to stop with their teaching them Korean. But, but before you know it, you get drafted into that organization. So that's my story. So um, that said, what do you think broke down? Like, what lessons can we learn? I, was, well, I thought you were going to say. <laughs> I mean, for me, it was the fact that... So a few things helped you, clearly. was, one, you were... you were The feeling of belonging and, and connection was massive. But I think for you at that time, there wasn't that much of a... Imagine there was a bigger vacuum in your life at the time, for instance. Right? Imagine if... It was a time when you were a bit more isolated. Imagine if maybe it was when you had just moved to the US, right? Or something like, and you were still feeling all alone. Like, do you know what I mean? And I can imagine like people who have just moved countries, man, the risk that they will be out with this stuff. Or people who are just sort of come to university, for instance. And I know they're very active in universities here in the UK. Um, and so people like that who are just coming to university and especially like have moved, even like not just country, but like just moved from like, like a different city in, in England or something. And like, and which is a lot of students. A lot of students are not schooling necessarily. Many are, but not all. Like sometimes people really move a pretty good distance to go to uni, especially if the uni they want is not nearby and stuff like that. So you can imagine how prone these people would be to these things. Um, so yeah, I think, I think, I think that was the real thing for you. The fact that you already had some level of connection and community. I mean, like you're able to literally call a friend and say, Oh, imagine this happened, right? Um, some of it was the knowledge that you had also as well um, and I think a lot of times these people take advantage of things that people don't know right and and especially if you say oh I'm Christian for instance but like you're not as grounded in some of the traditional historical ideas that are sort of fundamental to what Christianity is about but then the, 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 the danger is that depending on the denomination you're in there are many non-court like Christian denominations that excuse me so like what you, you know what you were told about like 
your sins have aren't completely forgiven. There are some denominations that I won't call cults that don't teach that because that's 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 a as Christianity goes, that's a pretty straight like off like that. No, that's not how Christianity works in any serious sort of Christian group. But there are groups that even while they will say that, they won't teach that. Like no serious Christian group would teach that. But there's there's some where the sort of practice that they have would would leave, leave people sort of in that space mentally where they are more likely to think this is what it is even though that's not what's being taught does that make sense um so yeah i think i think for you that was a good help like the fact that you're able to like wait a second right like if they knew better they probably won't teach that like the person would have said that you know and that's another thing like these guys clearly use a lot of these guys use like just literally any tactic so for these ones it was you know it's almost like it's almost like sort of like gang like you know fronts right like you know the sort of you know sort of stereotype of like it's a mafia place but like they have like a gambling thing in front or like so a law it's a laundry in the front or like yeah, you know yeah. like which is literally why we use the word front yeah. like like people like, you know, like like it's a it's a front because it's literally in the front but like at the, but at the back is literally it? in front and, yeah. and like there's a deliberateness to that right where they know that what we're really about is is not actually language you know and and interestingly interestingly you know there's 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 there's, there's thinking like this around in christianity to which i won't subscribe to and i don't you know sort of the idea of evangelizing as oh we're going to reach people through this thing but actually what we're doing it's not yeah, even just language, language like teaching yeah. health services um food and all For of example, these things yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and i used to you know and i think many christians recognize this and you know, I'm, I'm going to try to say this as carefully as I can because I know a lot of people, you know, like, I want to be a bit sensitive about it because I don't want to, not not because I don't want to offend, but I don't want to, um, I don't want to be inconsiderate. Is is, you know. No, yeah. I see where they're coming from, but there's a danger to that. And not just because it looks like what these cults do. The danger to it, and I think it, at the core of it, the heart of that is not actually Christian, right? Is that... You know, so if you think about stories like, you know, Jesus feeding people with bread, he was literally just feeding them with bread. Like there was no agenda, <laughs> right? <laughs> like I get the idea of we want to give people something more than, than whatever we're doing here, but not because we don't think what we're doing is important. Yeah. Then they, I don't know if you get what I mean. Like, like this, this is a this is a real I value. Mean, I also think that sometimes there's like. A- irrespective of whatever and if anybody is interested in more fine but you know the attitude of oh this is not really the key key. this is just a way in i know a lot of people do well intention but there's a there's there's a danger there yeah and i and i and i'm and i'm trying and that's why i don't want to be considered because i know that a lot of people that do this stuff have been honestly well intentioned like they're not they're not thinking of it as a front they're thinking of it as oh we're actually helping people but we need to give them you know desserts before they would take vegetables sort of like you know like how you do with kids and i get that except yeah. the young kids right yeah <laughs> i know but there's also another situation where you can't even get it unless you do that take for example i have friends who are in mongolia china yes. where they're very hostile to christian missionaries so they have to come through english language you know like teaching kids english language and i which is why i'm trying to be considerate about it because i get it but i think that at its best when that's done properly the 
you do the best with the service that you're offering because the service itself actually matters. It's not just the front, right? It's not, and, and they, because yeah. there's attitude yeah. that sometimes people will get. And to be fair, many people don't go this far, right? Where it's almost like, oh, so you're not even going to the next level. Then get out of here, right? <laughs> it's, you know, um, yeah. and, and, and also because yeah. people see through, um, I think when you're just being agendaed with them, right? Where it's like, I mean, like I've had friends, I've had lots of friends where we end up talking about faith, but that's not what the friendship is about, right? Like whether we talk about faith or not, whether, you know, when we do talk about faith, you know, so like for instance, and I know people who've had these experiences where somebody becomes their friend and then they talk about faith and then say they're not interested and then the person that abandons them, that's cold. <laughs> that is cold. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's the mentality yeah. I'm sort of talking about. I think it's that mentality of, of the fronts. I, I get what you mean. And I think, um, so because there's so many YouTube videos I've watched, the MO still seems to be the same. There's this unusual interest in you, and they tend to, even sometimes, yeah. they lie. They lie by omission to kind of get that interest in you. So I just want to say that out there, like, they're still very much very active. And as a matter of fact, um, one of the churches in the Church of England had to release a statement not too long ago for churches to be very very you know alert because they are everywhere they're very pervasive and with you know korea being you know very hot right now with bts and all that they i still saw their ads like not too long ago about bts so i'll just say be, be on guard okay don't let don't be too carried away because before you know it you might just be you know recruited and and i share my story not out of shame i actually found it very funny that oh my gosh this happened to me. It was very humbling. And of course, I had to pray and repent to God for the part that I played in it. But I found it like, oh my gosh, like this happened to me. I would never have thought. So I've been very humbled about that. So finally, before you leave, I think it's just to talk to those whom I have friends that have been part of cults. How can we support them? How can we, you know, be um, allies? Because the very same thing we end up doing to them is what makes them, you know, want to stay back. And that is isolation and just, yeah. you know, banishing them like, ugh, you have not been tainted. How can we best support them going um, forward? So you made a brilliant, really great point, which is the last thing you want to do is shut them out because they're in a cult. Because that's literally what led to them being there in the first place. And, like, and, I, and I know, again, this is kind of thing that people do without realizing how dangerous this is because they think, oh, maybe if we don't talk to them, then they'll take us seriously. No. <laughs> you like, just I am on no, fire to small It's not gonna help. Fire. It's not gonna help at all. It's it's not. And I get where you're coming from when you think like that, but just no. Like no. Right? Um it's difficult, I think. It's difficult to have people in in these kinds of um and like I said, I've had personal experiences with this, right? Of people in cults. Um, in actual cults or getting into actual cults or almost getting into actual cults and people in what I would call cult-like or cult-adjacent yeah, I think that's a good word cult-adjacent organizations right? Like, like and when I say cult-adjacent I'm not putting that in quotes I generally consider them cult-adjacent like they I would call them cults but I would say they're on the spectrum like they're definitely on the spectrum but I won't say they're like all the way like straight cults right? There's some exclusivity that's going on, but it's not like a complete exclusivity. There's some, you know, there's some, there's no criminality per se, as far as I'm aware, 
sometimes there is, you never know. But <laughs> you know, but like you get what I mean. Like the, the, there's some traits, right? But like not enough. Like we say in psychiatry, uh, not enough to say that the person has like they don't they don't meet the full criteria for depression. They don't meet the full criteria for cults. But they have the some trait, of like, the symptoms. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they have some of the symptoms. Right? Them, and, yeah. and and it's worrying because even those are worrying because there's a level of control that's still being um, that's still being exerted. Um, and I think if, like I said, even in like normal, exactly. sort of like, you know, in some regular churches and like probably other religions as well, there's, there's some groups that are a bit more called adjacent, I would say. Um, and, and again, it comes down to how, how they have some of those characteristics, control, exclusivity, you know, um, um, how they, they are a dismissiveness of larger society, freedom of affiliation. That one is such a big one yeah. actually. We've not really talked about it. Like, yeah. can anyone join? More important, can anyone leave? That's true. <laughs> leave? Yeah, like, I talked about how to, yeah, how you can easily like, join and leave. I'm just saying, like, we've not really oh, What are the criteria, we've really, yeah. We've not really gone back to, yeah, you know, like, Talk can, can anyone it, join? Yeah. But more importantly, yeah. can anyone walk away without, like, you burning down their house, <laughs> you know? Um, without pinching, and, and, yeah. And all that stuff. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Um, I think a key thing that people need when when they're in either in courts or being propositioned by courts because there's also a spectrum to getting into a court right like there's the first approach and then there's the sort of in, increasingly drawing in um i think you can't you can, logic and argument don't necessarily work debates i said the person is that sort of person normally but the reason for them the reason why i don't think that's the most helpful is because what these guys are appealing to is not you know to sort of speak broadly it's not the head it's the heart right it's 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 the emotions so you coming at it with the sort of the facts so to speak it might not really help because what you'll be doing if you're not careful is you'll be dismissing the emotional bits that those guys are speaking to exactly because you're dismissing it from you so (laughs) yeah you might have all this information but that's not what's going to help what's really going to help is being there is thinking about okay how can i support this person how can i actively engage with this person how can i you know, and it's basic things, you know, just reach out, connect, you know, if you can help them connect to other communities, do that. Because one of the things that really most cults will do is they will cut them off from other communities. And if you can get other community around them, then that helps, right? So not just you, because again, that also helps, you know, because it means burden. The burden is not, no, I mean, well, just even for your own practical, Priority. like the burden is not going to be entirely on you. And the truth is you might not be able to carry it and it might be too much. And that's fair, right? Because you're one person and you also have issues to deal with. And you have like your own life and everything. So it's not about jumping in there to save this person. <laughs> and like being like their own savior like, and all of that. It's just about being there. And then if you can, as much as you can, helping them connect to other people as well. Bringing other people around them. In, in, and whatever that, that will, what that would look like would depend on where you are, right? So if it's like in a university setting, it's connecting them to other groups and stuff like that. Or just to, to your own friends. Like invite them to like your parties. And like introduce them to your friend. Like, do you get what I mean? Like, stuff. And if it, you know, one of the things you then talk to them about it, and not talking to them like talking at them, but like just talking to them. And when you talk to them, talking to them in a way that gives them a chance to talk about it. Because one of the things that is amazing is sometimes people ex. For, see, one of the things cults will not let you do is talk about the cults outside the cults because 
there's something about listening to yourself say some things that makes you see those things because you by doing that you externalize them like just listening yeah, to yourself yeah. is a way of externalizing something externalizing, right yeah and one of the things a call doesn't want is for you to externalize yeah. just want you to like you know like you said they hit you hard right they hit you hard and you don't have a moment to breathe and before you know you are caught up and you talking about stuff with someone that's yep. not part yep. of it sometimes you'll be shocked like that alone can go a long way especially in the early stages obviously this is not going to work in later yep. stages but in the early stages that can go a long way to be like wait what am i even doing right um and then the more they're going in then you also want to think about like if they're in already right you want to think we want to speak not to the cult but to the detriment of the cult so you want to speak to things about like oh in what ways are they being harmed in what ways are they struggling that in other words you want to speak to what the cult is not acknowledging or speaking to right you, again you don't want to necessarily like just attack the cults because that's not really going to help you're just going to get them digging in more because again it's like what see because one of the things people don't really appreciate is that what cults do what again not just cults abusers is they break they break down people's identity or they look for people whose identity is already broken and they reshape those identities around themselves and so when you're asking someone to leave you're not just asking them to leave you're asking them to abandon an identity sometimes it's painful to be there but it also is the identity and that's a hard thing to leave right and anybody who has ever done it knows what i'm talking about anyone who thinks it's not has not really done it yeah. do you get what i mean so you can't just ask someone yeah. to walk away from that yeah. without giving them anything to walk to. Anyone then is your heart, right? So, you know, it's, it's, it's less important to sort of focus on all the things you can see and focus on the harms that they themselves are. Not just, so there are harms that you might see that they don't appreciate. Just put those on the side. Focus on the harms that they are actually able to acknowledge. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's where, that's where yeah. you want to start from. And then offer support with those things. And especially when those harms are things that the cult cannot help because that would mean acknowledging the cult's own flaws and they will never do that, yeah. you know? So we'll those are things you want to speak yeah, to. Yeah. But again, all of this is not even possible if you are not able to connect with yeah. them, which is, you know, it's going to be very hard depending on how much the cult... Isolation. Some cults will physically yeah. isolate you. Yeah. A lot of these cults they are talking about, they won't physically isolate you. They just socially isolate you. So like people are still going to work and doing other things. In some cases, people actually stop going to work even and stop yeah. going to school. So... So they're actually oh, like physically isolated and that's, yeah. that's like a real danger. But if it's just social isolation, then there's still a chance, right? Because at yeah. least you can see them or you can call them and they've not yeah. taken their yeah. phones. And they've not like, do you know what I mean? Like sometimes you can't even reach them and so all yeah. of this is moots, yeah. right? But to the extent that you can reach them, yep. then, then the please, like just totally do that. And they yeah. will need help coming out. And when I say help, they will need professional help. Like you can't do it all alone. They will probably need police. They will probably need lawyers. They'll probably need like and again, you might not be able to do all of that, but you can look for organizations and things that okay, can workers, step in yeah. and help. You know, and again, this depends on the country you're in. Um, they do have a lot of them. But like, you have to find what's yeah, happening yeah, for yeah. whatever your setting is. Um, but yeah, like, you, you can't do it all alone. <laughs> you can't. You, you can't. Like, you don't have the expertise. Agree, you don't have what it takes. You can't start and you can help. But like, don't think you have to do it all alone. You shouldn't. You probably can't. Even if you're a professional, yeah. you're just one kind of professional, and they need wow. other kinds, right? One, one man army, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the court is not just one person; it's many people. Now, um, and I think that's a that's a key point to kind of round us off is don't isolate them, engage with them, because it's, it's a known fact that people in court yes, they know the least about the court that they're in it. compared to people outside of the court. 
you know so um even when you come with that information and knowledge don't be a jerk about it slowly reveal it then appeal to whatever reason you can appeal depending on the level of conversion that has gone on and as above all things as christians keep praying you know these are real issues it's divided families it's divided you know friends it's caused a lot of pain perhaps somebody listening to this is probably traumatized by even listening to it because they probably have a family member so just keep praying and keep believing that someday you know that lost mm. person will be set free well, this has been a very long episode. But I just want to say thank you for sticking to the very end of it. Um, I was really worried that, you know, we're going to say a lot, but we really try to, you know, touch on the different topics given the interest of time. But if you like this episode, don't forget to, you know, um, subscribe and also check out more episodes that might not be like this. We have some other lighter stuff, I promise, on the podcast. But I want to say thank you so much. Thank Amy, you for, for inviting me. Together. It's been such a... <laughs> <laughs> it's been such a nice time just talking to you and also hearing your perspective both you know as a psychiatrist and also a nerd and Me yeah alright then well I remain your host most stable bye for now so Thank you for listening to this episode of the Morosable Podcast. Well, guess what? There's plenty more where that came from. So visit our website at www.mosibyl.com. That is www.mosibyl.com, where you can find hours of other binge-worthy episodes just like this one. And while you're at it, please don't forget to subscribe and leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts or Podbean as it encourages other awesome people like you to listen to the podcast as well. We are now officially on Podbean. It has an app. You can catch up on missed episodes and also get a notification when we have new episodes. Do you have a question for our guest, feedback on the episode, or a suggestion for a future guest? Then please get in touch with us by sending us an email at talktomore@mostable.com or connect with us via Instagram at the Morosible Podcast. Cannot wait to hear from you and thank you so much for always listening. Thank you.